Hello and uh, welcome to, I think it's number 22, our 22nd Foundation for Change podcast, which is pretty incredible, double figures, no? Um, and uh, we're out of our adolescent teenage years um, and this podcast is, it's expanding a little bit on earlier podcasts we've done about uh, systems we live in, about feminism. And um, I'm, we, today we're going to be thinking about, talking about, chewing over uh, the, um, the idea of toxic masculinity. And for this, I am joined by Heather, Antonia, Magano, Bob and Bex. And hello. <laughs> that was a very firm hello. Manly hello. <laughs> hello, everyone. Hi, and is our newest recruit. This is your first podcast, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. So hello everyone, my name is Magano and new about three weeks, well, about a month now. So nice to meet everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, virtual audience. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I say, we're going to be thinking about um, toxic masculinity and it, it it feels like it's something that, that that's quite it's been talked about quite a lot at the moment I don't know if anybody's encountered this in kind of popular mainstream media culture yeah I was watching the big question the other week and um, there was a speaker governor B talking about his book um, and he was talking about toxic masculinity so yeah, just a bit of insight about what it is and what it means to be a man for him. Also, um, you know, it's really popular with youth culture at the moment. So there's a lot of social media platforms and I think um, TikTok is the big one. And um, don't even worry if you don't know what TikTok is, but it's a kind of platform for young kids to sort of, young adults to make videos. And um, you'll find that um, a lot of young men and women are sort of questioning the idea of toxic masculinity, starting to kind of confront it head on. Um, and so it's kind of like, it's really, really massive in youth culture as well. Um, and kind of kind of answering the big questions. Well, yeah, I mean, I thank you for that, Bex, because I do vaguely know what TikTok is, but I didn't know who Governor B was. I thought he was some kind of obscure kind of, you know, like young, plucky young man from London, but it's quite a big thing, isn't it? It's quite a big, big, well-known, well uh, 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 rapper and basically what Magana what's he kind of saying about um you say he's talking about toxic masculinity what what what's his kind of take on it well he talks about his own experience of toxic masculinity and how he when his father died he was struggling um and he didn't know how to grieve properly or grieve in, not properly but in the way that society asked you to he wasn't able to cry um because he felt like he had to be manly um so he talks about what a man, how a man can grieve, and the full range of emotions, really. Feels like to me, it feels like um, the world. The world is a really confusing place at the moment, not only because of the pandemic, but also because of there feels to be like a real divide in culture. Because this idea of toxic masculinity, you know, Bex, if you sort of say it, it's discussed a lot on you know, social media platforms and things like that. And, and people are having a, a discussion about it in a way that perhaps they never have before. Um, but the sort of the other side of that is I feel like all this kind of culture war stuff going on around, you know, um, Meghan Markle, uh, but also like the culture kind of war that's going on at the moment. 
And it's also around Brexit. There's a real kind of atmosphere of really toxic, oh, just, you know, suck it up, snowflake. Uh, you know, it, you know, it kind of represents a kind of bigger kind of culture where that expression of, of that, you know, what you describe Magana as like, you know, sort of don't show emotion. Those kind of feelings are being amplified actually on a really kind of big global stage. And if you think about, uh, you know, like um, country leaders like uh, Putin or Erdogan or Bolsonaro in Brazil, um, you know, it, there is a kind of also there exists this other culture that and it feels like a bit of a, a clash and a conflict between those two. What do you think about that? Well, I think it stems back from colonialism and, you know, the rise of like white powerful males um, and the fact that, you know, you are the conquering hero, you're the seafarer, you're the person who, you're, you're the man, you can wage war, you can, you run parliaments. Um, and so that has echoed like through history, right through to the modern times. And it feels like people are really questioning that status quo. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of me in a good day. I'm kind of really optimistic about that questioning. Um, but it kind of it does locate this idea of, of the, the kind of the, the, the emotional behaviours that toxic masculinity talks about are actually really deep rooted in our culture. They're not just like something that men do nowadays. There's a, there's a real kind of deep cultural element to all this. Um, when I, do, I mean, I actually kind of want to get 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 on to talking about actually the impacts of, of this all but just a little historical diversion um when i was kind of looking into this podcast i i i did a bit of research into the roots of the term toxic masculinity so if you know as you're saying bex that that kind of that attitude has always been there but the term itself comes from um the men's movement in the 1980s and 90s which must have passed me by but um there was such a thing as the man's movement apparently and and it was very and it's uh, it was something bob just sort of in the inter when we were kind of getting ready for the podcast bob said something like what do you say you'd never heard of myth Mythopoetic movement. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a new one on me, but I think it was a movement that tried to connect men to, you know, their warrior past. Hence, <laughs> Bex is laughing. Hence the, um, hence the kind of mythopoetic bit. And um, it was very much around kind of men going on to wilderness retreats and kind of doing drumming circles and, um, you know, connecting. Hunting and killing things. And yeah, yeah. But it's really weird. I've been reading. Do, 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 does anybody know much about Jordan Peterson? Yes, I watched an interview with him just now. Oh. Like it was like a two-minute clip on toxic masculinity. And it was just like, there's just something like, even when he speaks, it's not even what he's talking about. I find there's something really disturbing about him. Yeah. And then he was going on to talk, I mean, what you were talking about in terms of kind of world leaders and just this kind of like rise of the right, I think it's obviously validating like this whole section of the population's kind of feelings around why it's okay to be like this. And so he was saying a similar thing and I was just really disturbed because I know that he's got such a massive following and in some ways what was less interesting was, was what he was saying, but was the comments section. So there was lots of people saying like, I'm a woman, I really support you too. And lots of people saying like, God bless, the world is a better place for Jordan Peterson. And, you know, again, he's just kind of inciting this this kind of hatred and, and uh, perpetuating this divide. Yeah, and I, I was trying, you know, I tried to kind of 
think uh, think about it but it made my brain hurt so you got this 80s 90s kind of mythopoetic men's movement that are kind of go that are very kind of touchy kind of drum circle-y kind of get in touch with your warrior man and Jordan, Jordan Peterson wrote a book called 12 rules for life that's a massive bestseller and it was a bit like you know shoulders back and get on with it you know stop stop whinging but also his daughter's really in, into this thing called the lion diet have you heard mm. anybody heard about this no Okay, so Jordan Peterson's diet. So the, the, it, it's a slightly different manifestation of this kind of mythopoetic kind of man's movement thing. It's very, very 21st century. But um, his, um, Jordan Peterson's daughter is a, a little bit kind of daddy's girl, which is in itself a little disturbing. But she advocates something called the lion diet, which is basically you only eat uh, beef and, and sheep. You don't eat veg because veg is for losers. And, and it's one of those things like it makes you more kind of competitive and it makes you ready to kind of conquer the world, you know, like a lion. What about chickens? And, um, I, don't, I think it, no, it's a certain type of meat that I'd never, it was oh, including... Red meat because white meat's for women. Yeah, it included oh. goat as well. And I thought, okay. <laughs> but gendering meats. Oh yeah, totally, but the, the, there's a definite link between this idea of like, you know, we're ready to take on the world. Constipation. 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 Why is Constipation it? diet. <laughs> <laughs> why, 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 why he's a bit kind That's of... That's why we're so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing a good syrup of figs wouldn't cure. But one of the, I mean, one of the arguments about this, I mean, you know, it's like one of this, they are not arguments, but one one of the criticisms of this kind of men reclaiming their essential manhood, and and you know Jordan Peterson kind of talks about a kind of male qualities, is it comes from the the, you know, the original man's movement were really influenced by the ideals of Carl Jung, who is you know okay you know we we kind of touch on young a bit in our psychology course he's somebody we talk about not you know he's not somebody to sort of dismiss totally and have you come across the idea of anima and animus you have what what i always get them mixed up can you yeah, yeah no okay I get, i've got a note next to me so i don't get them mixed up so anima is the kind of female side kind of female energies and animus is the male energies you know, but basically young kind of goes, you can be a woman, but you can have this kind of male energy. Which is great. You know, you can, you can, you know, you can have this kind of, or if you're a man, you, 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 you can, you can get in touch with your feminine side, which I guess is some of the, some of the thinking behind the original man's movement stuff is like, you know, you get together and you embrace your kind of feminine side. And I think, you know that documentary the works you've you've quite a few of you have seen this mm -hmm. haven't you i think you know i think that's based that also comes from that kind of man's movement like you get men to embrace their feminine side um and what's a problem with that yeah well okay tell me that tell me the problem go on tell me the problem well the problem is that it still associates like being emotional with a woman and it's just like you need to break the the link between these certain behaviors or characteristics and gender because it's complete bollocks. Yeah. It's just like, really quickly, I remember, I don't know if this is jumping the gun a bit, but I remember for this previous charity we worked with, <clears throat> there was this, um, they were trying to increase the number of women in leadership positions. And for some reason, I'm not sure why, but they called me in to like give them some, some support and some help and stuff. And uh, one of the things that they were saying in this group of women was saying like, we need to be more competitive. We need to talk louder. And like, they were trying to say that actually the solution to this problem 
is becoming more male. So obviously you can't see this podcast, but you know, in inverted commas. And it was just like, this is also part of the problem. Like there's so much of the stuff is really internalized and it's not about like trying to create these different, um, trying to try and be this thing you're not because you're just describing those to a particular gender and actually like we're much more fluid than that. Me and Magana have just been on a very uh, inch this morning because it's afternoon as we're recording this. But uh, this morning we were on a very interesting seminar group. Um, um, we were discussing the feminism podcast and uh, the, the the discussion kind of, we ended up talking about Cardi B and um, this is hesitancy in my voice, a, a, a pop star called Cardi B, uh, but about her kind of going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm empowering myself because, you know, I'm kind of performing semi-naked and I'm, I'm earning loads of money. And um, would you like to express that, that look on your face, Heather? <laughs> Do people know the name of the song that, she, that she's quite famous for? Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to say what it stands for. I don't know if we can say it, we'll put it in the chat. <laughs> isn't, isn't it just going on about her being empowered because she can kind of like, she comes or she can make herself come or she's good at making men come or something to do with that? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, okay. anyway, yeah, Magano said it's very explicit. <laughs> I kind of was thinking, <laughs> what, what the fuck is it about? <laughs> what the hell is it about? <laughs> Well, because we then sort of discussed how if you use the same the same kind of way of measuring success, you know, uh, uh, as the patriarchal society, I don't really know where that goes, you know, because if you're if your standard of like empowerment is earning loads of money, you're just part of the, the same culture, I would say, being an old school, <laughs> old school feminist. But I sort of go, well, you know, you're using that same language and, and like likewise it, it to come back to this idea of essentialism. And it's like, OK, we women need to be more assertive in the boardroom, you know, it takes on exactly the same culture that has caused the problem in the first place or is, you know, is problematic and unequal. So, you know, just by taking on the same standards and that culture doesn't particularly seem to me like a good way of changing the culture. I think, yeah, you're right, because it's because it's very individualistic. It's like she might be empowered or feel empowered by that, but as a whole, it's not empowering women. I mean, it, one of the ways... Can I just say something really quickly as well, based on that? The other thing that was happening in these meetings is that there was nothing for the men to be looking at yeah. and changing. It was these women saying, we need to change, we need to be more like this. Like, do you think the men was like sitting and just thinking, like, we need to fucking listen more? No. Yeah, <laughs> not part of culture as well. Yeah, so kind of that idea, idea of kind of this kind of male or female is very kind of reductionist and, um, you know, it's sort of essentialist. It's like, oh, women are all crazy and kind of spiritual and men are all rational and clear headed. Um, you know, women just need to be more like men, which seems to just kind of go back to the idea of patriarchy to me. Um, I think one of one of the ways and it, it we include a session on uh, toxic masculinity on the feminism for change course that we run and the kind of I mean you know should we just talk a bit about why that was included well I mean we we live with men you know we're not kind of separate it is we're all part of the same planet you know so so people's kind of hang-ups affect everyone don't they 
So trying to unpack the reasons that, that women are like they are, the same as like unpacking the reasons that some men are like they are and, and the consequences that that, um, that that entails. Yeah. And also, also on a very kind of, I mean, that's about it. It's about making, um, making feminism relevant to, to the complete lives of women. You know, it doesn't just, feminism doesn't just exist in this little, you know, bubbles, but it's not just a little ism. It's not a speciality. Actually, to me, feminism is a way of people understanding how the world works, like any theory, and it's a good theory. It, it's a really good theory at, at, at kind of showing how inequality plays out in everybody's lives. So the idea of in, including a day on um, toxic masculinity on a course for women was, you know, for them to really connect to the idea of, of the relevance of feminism to their lives. It wasn't just something that, you know, posh white women do in their, you know, in their, their, their kind of, um, oh, their bubbles. That, you know, it has a real impact that this stuff has a real kind of connection. One of the, and one of the ways we, I know that, the, that, that we do that on that day is we, we run a quote from a woman called Bell Hooks. So, um, any anybody say anything more about bell hooks she's a feminist she's a um kind of working class she's a um was like a educationalist as well kind of going in and wanting to kind of break down the um barriers of accessibility to education and the language and understanding um getting people especially sort of like black women to understand um themselves in in the world through education. I mean, she's really influenced by Paolo Freire, who we talk yeah. about quite a lot. And, you know, her thing is education. And her name is always, in, I, can, like, I remember I first discovered Bell Hooks probably in the late 90s. And I didn't, I kept coming across her name and I had no, it was all in lowercase. And I think for about first half dozen times, I just thought, oh, this is a bit of a typo. Um, like, oh, her name is in lowercase. Or anybody else as stupid as me? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just me who thought that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope this connects with lots of people who go, oh, yes, me too. Um, I mean, and kind of, the reason for that is that she she doesn't, I mean, her real name is Gloria Watkins, and Bell Hooks was her grandmother's name. Um, but so she kind of, it, it's a way of her um, honouring or, you know, being sort of, you know, bringing her female ancestry into her being now, recognising that. But also, it, it's so that she doesn't claim the ideas of her work. Because mm. she's very much like, this is everybody's kind of communal, you know. These, this is all our, our, our experience as, as Afro-American kind of women. This is the work that we have created. It's not mine, Gloria Watkins. Mm. But um, it, it caused me lots of trouble when I did the handout and started a sentence with bell hooks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was really frustrating. Um, but can I, I mean, I know, I know, you know, most of you know this because we've we kind of included it in many things, but I'm just going to read the, the Bell Hooks quote about, about what patriarchy does to, to males that, that is relevant to this discussion about toxic masculinity. So I'll get into my deep kind of theatre voice and uh, see if I can act or. So Bell Hooks writes, she said, the first act of violence that patriarchy demands of males is not violence toward women. Instead, patriarchy demands that of all males that they engage in acts of psychic self-mutilation, 
that they kill off the emotional parts of themselves. If an individual is not successful in emotionally crippling himself, he can count on patriarchal men to enact rituals of power that will assault his self-esteem. What is, what, what, what's she saying? She's saying basically, what I get from that is that um, like toxic masculinity doesn't benefit men as much as it doesn't benefit women. Men are also the victims of it because of the way they have to behave in a society that is patriarchal. I can never say that word, patriarchal. I think it's such a, such a powerful and grim and kind of want to say dark quote. Like the language to me, I think is really important. This idea of like psychic self-mutilation. So when I hear that, it's just talking about the system. And again, just picking up on system stuff we talked about before where, you know, we don't think about the systems we live in and we don't question the systems. We're just born into them. And these systems shape our lives without us even realizing that it's a system and that it's having such an impact on our lives. So this idea of living in a system that just like mutilates, like gets you to mutilate your own emotional connection to yourself um, is so strong. And then also that kind of second bit of like, if that isn't successful, don't worry. <laughs> There's all this like these other layers of, of the patriarchy that will make sure that that will happen. Even from like a young age, you know, taught not to show emotions and taught not to cry. I mean, what kind of human would do that to another human to say, you know, don't show your emotions, don't be weak, don't, it's weak to cry. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not kind of normal for any kind of like civilised society, is it? To just, you know, to shut down those emotions as a child, because you grow up with that, you know, fear of repression and all that it entails, you know, um, hiding hiding your emotions, and and the shame that comes from doing that in the first place. You know, lots of baggage that comes out, you know, comes out in very toxic ways. I think the quote also illustrates, and your point says as well, that it's such an unconscious level that this happens, self self mutilation, and that it's just ingrained in society or the system that we live in. Um, and it's just really unconscious. I mean, and, and, you know, yeah, and I show a Bob like the power of the language, it's like that you can count on patriarchal men to enact rituals of power. Mm. I mean, what do you think she's talking about? Well, it's those, it's, it's things like being in charge, making the money for your family. Um, you know, the fact that you, you don't cry, you don't show kind of vulnerability. Um, it's kind of all of those characteristics kind of that are tied up with being a man. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I, I also like I read it as a bit like she's saying that if you don't toe the line, you'll be bullied by other men. Mm. I, I take it as a very kind of like you will. There's a real darkness there. I, I was actually thinking because the the word rituals. Yeah. And I don't. Oh no, I was going to say I was going I was going to say like oh, I don't think we have them here, but like I know these in in America the um, what's the opposite of the sophomores? What's the one for the guys? There's like uh, frat hands, yeah. So the kind yeah. of like the hazing ceremonies and this idea of like there's this real subordination of like the older kind of like students doing these kind of really horrible like hazing ceremonies to the younger ones. And I was just thinking like oh we don't really have that here, but I remember. Um, 
you know, being in pubs when I was younger and just being around like rugby lads who were just like betting each other to force their, you know, to light their pubes on fire and just do like stupid stuff <laughs> in public. I'd be like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> you yeah. go. Here's the lighter. Let me put a little <laughs> petrol on that. Chug some whiskey on that. Um, but, but again, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a really small example, but just like lots of structures exist within society to, to keep like pushing people down. And pushing these emotions down. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I mean, does it exist here, doesn't it? But because it exists in bloody uh, private schools. It's your Eatons, it's your fagging systems, it's yeah. where the government comes from. They're all damaged, psychic, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. psychically damaged men who've been through yeah. all these rituals of power. And then what do you know, what do people do who've been, you know, sort of subordinated by the men? It's like they 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 take it out on, on the world, on the UK. Uh, take it out on lesser but it, we're kind of going somewhere i wanted to to to, to have a discussion around um and and pick up on something that you're kind of saying bex it's like what are the commands of you know what what are the ways that men are are that i call them commands what are the commands of of being a man proper man um you know like not crying what about other other kind of commands um in there don't be feminine yeah <laughs> because uh, because it's seen as a weakness and women are seen as weak and frail and vulnerable and emotional and hysterical and all that kind of stuff associated with with women so like any characteristics that get even close to that um are to be avoided and and just kind of similarly as well this idea of um don't be don't don't even kind of condone gays and I guess like in this case gay men you know don't don't kind of have them in your life don't like them you know but don't even think about being one I think is also one of the commands it's kind of a, there's lots of kind of um well it's just how it is it's natural there's lots of kind of you know recourse to kind of mm-hmm. um very prescribed journey oh, it's just how things are how men and women are I was saying to the group this morning that my, my mother kind of brought us up on her own as a single parent and late in life she got married and she kind of spent her life kind of doing everything and the moment she got married she just was like oh I can't do that she like couldn't kind of change a plug or it was really like 30 years doing it suddenly she kind of reverted back to very much like very very defined gender role and what one that which was which was really um you know not uh, you know powerless and kind of like ew i can't do it um which is you know but there, there is this idea that of, of a naturalness and that's just how things are because that's you know nature it's essentialism again and what maybe another command maybe like um, being a provider so providing for whoever it may, you may be providing for that's quite a strong one i think yeah, like providing for your family, you're the man, so therefore you need to go out to work. Um, you're the one who looks after, you know, your your wife and your children. And it's also like lots of physiological things as well, like you have to be buff, like you have to be, you know, uh, good looking and like, you know, uh, a quintessential um, 
God, shit, who's a, who's a famous actor? Brad Pitt, uh, a quintessential, I don't even know, like, what's going on with Brad Pitt these days? Um, 40, 30 years ago. Harry <laughs> Grant, John Wayne. Um, oh, who's, who's, who's a big star these days? <laughs> I'll go with Robert Mitchum, because I always liked him. Um, yeah, for everybody knowing Robert Mitchum. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, the idea, get to the gym, Look good, impress your, impress your females. Um, so kind of like all of that. I was just thinking, just and this is kind of like we're, we're talking about like the commands, but like the amount of times I've heard guys say to me like, oh, I can't grow a beard. And there's this real shame about not being able to grow a beard. Wow. Yeah, and it's especially, like- Especially if you're Amish, eh? It must be a real fucking- um... <laughs> Conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so it's a kind of, it, it's a semiotic, it's a, it's a sign of, of being a real man, having a beard, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Beard's something I don't particularly understand. And Bob's got a bit of stubble, but not, you know, like beards, I just think, who has mm. a beard? They're really unhygienic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to those of our listeners who've got beards, but maybe you can write in and tell us about your beard hygiene, but um, yeah, I kind of... <laughs> Um, you know, so so there are these commands like you know, be a bedwoman, but you know you have to kind of be a certain way. But rather than because lot, lots of the conversations around toxic masculinity that I've been involved with certainly in the past sort of end up going, oh poor men, they have it really hard, and it kind of stops there, which you know is kind of not really reflective of, of the inequality in the world so it's like you know and it's like well I'm not I haven't got privilege we come back to this kind of white privilege thing this kind of idea of oh but I don't have privilege my life's hard as well so it just ends up as some really pointless kind of top trumps of kind of you know inequality I don't really kind of take the conversation anywhere particularly interesting I don't think but I want to kind of push it on a bit and think of of these commands like um you need to be solvent, you need to have a good job, you need to be good looking, you need to kind of, you know, be Billy Big Bollocks and know and take the lead and, you know, know what's happening. What happens to men when they don't meet up to those expectations and what do they do with those emotions is my kind of question, I guess, or what, what I kind of want to discuss more. Well, I suppose in some ways it can be things like addiction um you know you um well not you sorry but it, it can be the fact that if you don't if you're not able to express trauma emotions kind of process really difficult shit that has happened in your life um you you self-medicate um and you know you cover cover just try and kind of like not feel it um and I think you know it's always in recovery and in, in some cases I think men can find that really difficult trying to open up and get back in touch with their emotions um, just because, you know, for years of their life, they've just never had the chance to, to express it. And so it's always the shaky leg, leg syndrome. Um, you know, I remember going to a group like, um, I think it was NA. And so I was sitting in a group and there was kind of like, as a mixed group, obviously, and there was kind of like a few blokes there, which just had their legs were shaking like this, boom, 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 boom. Um, and they were kind of like, yeah, 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 I'm all right. I'm doing my recovery or, or whatever. Um, but actually, you know, I, I didn't think too much of it at the time, but it's all that unsaid sort of stuff, unprocessed 
trauma, kind of all the, you know, anxiety and stuff, which, um, you know, after giving up alcohol, drink, drugs, um, comes coming, it's like the Coke bottle comes like flying out. Yeah. it's slightly off topic, but I just have to share this with you because I feel like I, when I when I saw it on TV, I felt like I was, you know, I just thought, my God, I hope somebody else is seeing this. On the day that Sunak um, kind of announced the budget, like, I don't know, a few weeks ago now, um, there was a shot of Parliament and, jo- uh, and Johnson behind him. His leg was just going like that. It was just like, oh, oh my no. God, the Prime Minister and his legs moving around and, you know really really anxious and of course the face is that kind of smug like yeah hey fuck you you know everything's great i'm boris johnson um but the body wow it was incredible this is so interesting so talking about this idea of psychic self-mutilation i mean think about like how many generally male politicians but you know it does happen to females as well because i think they're existing in a patriarchal structure who talk as if they like are completely cut off from their emotions you know, and it's like so many times I'm just thinking like, how the fuck do you sleep at night? And actually the reason, you know, the way they sleep at night is because they, they psychically self-mutilate. They, they cut themselves off from their own feelings. Well, again, that comes back to what we spoke about earlier, which is like, you know, if you go to private school and you've been separated from your caregiver from a very, very young age, yeah. you have to cut yourself off from those emotions. And, you're, you know, these people were bred to go out and be diplomats and, you know, deal with natives and, 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 and you know, not see people as human beings, you know. So they still, you know, I think that's, they still do that, don't they? It's, it's like we live in, you know, toxic masculinity world, like it's a kind of theme park or something, you know. Um, you know, in the Midlands, covered up. It's like we're, we're like trapped in tos- toxic masculinity world. That where all those values and that psychic mutilation is 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 there at the very top, and it, it, is it a kind of it, you know is an emotional reality for people that are in power. Ooh. I was going to get back to Bex's point just also about you know men who who kind of if addiction is one of the consequences of not being able to kind of live up to, you know imagine you're you're not you know you're, you you have, you not own anything you don't own your poor. So your value as a man is, you know, you can't provide. Is that that brings around shame? You're right that that there might be um, a need to kind of self-medicate in that. But imagine, like as you say, coming off drugs and getting rid of drugs and expecting like the world to be okay then, or you to be okay, and and sort of how do you build yourself up when you've mutilated yourself at such an early age? I don't really care about politicians; they know fuck off. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of much more interested is like how do people, you know, repair that psychic mutilation? I was going to just say quickly, it's going to build on both of those things. Like I remember working with a guy a while back who, you know, really, really big guy. Like I'm pretty tall, but I remember he was like way taller than me. And he was like reflective of quite a lot of the blokes we work with. Like his emotional language generally was like three things where he knew he was happy, he knew he was sad and he knew when he was angry and that was it. And most of the time he was angry. Um, and I remember like one of the things that I asked him was like, what do you do when you, when you, when you feel your emotions are kind of bottling up? And he was saying that he had holes all around his flat because it would just build so much that he would literally just have to lash out on his walls and obviously when his partner was around he would be lashing out on her 
And just reminded me of this word, which I'd kind of like fell in love with and I've forgotten about, but I've just been reminded of it again, which is the, the Latin of, uh, sorry, the roots of the word emotion, which is to move out, immovere is to move out. And he found it really hard to move his emotions out of himself because he didn't have a vocabulary to do that. He didn't even have like a kind of a nuanced understanding of his own emotions. So I remember that just has really stayed with me. Um, as an example of how a lot of guys are really find it really difficult to um, verbalize and kind of channel out their emotions and when they don't they you know stuff not that they realize this but it's internalized it's it you know they lash out it leaks out mm-hmm. um, and often you know there's the victims of that um, bottling up uh, people around them and often they are women they're female partners and it is a really good point about like you know obviously you can see the effects of kind of um, bottling up emotions or, or not even bottling them up, just not being able to process emotions and, you know, not allowing to have them. Um, as Mugano sort of said, kind of like unconsciously, it's not always, you know, a completely conscious thing. And it is the question, which is like the big question, which is like, well, how do you kind of change it? Like, what can you do to kind of move things along? And it's like, you know, I, you do sort of see it, on our courses um, and the fact that kind of like processing, you know, actually even starting to identify emotions, um, identifying how you feel, like just saying kind of like what it is you feel is kind of quite a long, a long drawn out process um, for for many men. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's a really, really important question right now. But, you know, I'm sort of seeing a lot of young kids talking about on TikTok, because I find it actually quite interesting. And, you know, I have kind of downloaded the app. Um, (laughs) I have, because there is something quite special about watching kind of like youth take on something that is historic um, with a fresh pair of eyes. And so you get a lot of young males these times trying to challenge like the ideas, maybe passed on by their parents, but their social circles. Um, and by kind of noticing their own behaviours. But, you know, if you're a little bit older um, and like maybe from our generation, kind of like, you know, all of us are, are, you know, a little bit older, um, it's kind of difficult to see how how change can happen. I guess like the thing we were talking about is, you know, being self-destructive and putting that, those negative energies into yourself by using drink or drugs. Um, or by lashing out and having that power dynamic of just violence um, to whoever's around you um, is that thing of like not being able to not being able to like you said channel not being able to talk about those things and not talk about how you feel and look at look at yourself because you know to be able to actually look at yourself and and, and see that there's something wrong with you it is it's not you know it's not acceptable you know you, you it's again being weak you know looking at yourself as some someone that's weak or that's not perfect uh, is something else that you have to kind of de- deal with as well you know and it's like maybe sometimes people aren't ready to do that and I guess in recovery we kind of do that by you know because we have to challenge our own th- thoughts and feelings and emotions and 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 admit that we have been wrong and made the wrong choices and, and and challenge those but you know until you get to a point that you have to do this massive change in your life by you know maybe stopping taking 
too many drinking drugs. Um, generally, people don't kind of have to challenge their behavior and, and kind of like carry on in that kind of, kind of negative thinking they're coping by doing really toxic things but and being toxic for people around them. But it's the only way they know of being able to, you know, handle that those emotions that they can't name. Yeah, we'll, and don't know what they feel. We'll come back to this idea of culture again, don't we? Because let's talk about, you know, it's not people, it's men. We're talking about men not being able to challenge that kind of behaviour. But if you're in a culture that valorises that behaviour, that valorises the objectification of women, that valorises misogyny, then of course you don't Violence. think, you know, you're just like, oh yeah, this is completely, this is how it is. It's just how it is. You know, one of my least favourite sayings of all time. Um, that's just how it is. Because why would you, yeah, in, you don't see it as anything that's problematic. And I think also we haven't mentioned about the toll it has on your mental health as well. We've talked about recovery and maybe domestic abuse, but all this pressure um, have a, can have a toll on your mental health. And I remember watching a documentary about how the biggest killer of kind of men, aged, uh, middle-aged men was kind of suicide. So that's something else, something morbid to think about as well. Um, I want to say something about... Um, so men in early recovery and when they can't really deal with these emotions that are all new to them and they've never really practiced kind of expressing them, like they kind of look to women as like to get into relationships to emotionally dump. And they think, and women sometimes they think that's their role as well, like the caregivers to these men. And then it ends up these toxic relationships in early recovery for and the men and the women, they just... It, it, it once again it kind of people falling back on kind of very very traditional gender roles of you know yeah this is how women are this is how men are and then actually people's experiences being not being able to to live up to those roles I mean you know I know I know for quite a few of us women in the team we've had we've had trouble with you know gynecological trouble because doctors won't believe we don't want children no, and that again is a sort of, oh, you're a woman, of course you want children. I spent all my 20s going, no, I children, don't want them. Oh, you'll change your mind. And it's like, actually, there are huge expectations on, on, on you know, what gender means to people. That, yeah, is, I mean, you know, the challenges to it are not without problem. I mean, you know, there's a whole different podcast. There's a whole kind of, the way those kind of, uh, how gender is kind of, learn and 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 played out you know is is up for lots of challenge at the moment but you know it's all right it's being challenged i think a lot of her harm comes from the expectations that people have uh inherited unconsciously or you know they kind of these these roles that they're not able to meet both men and women i just wanted to kind of end up a bit or to, to not end up to kind of wind down a bit thinking about you know the people that might be thinking about things differently or how how we can kind of what what people think the future will be and how aspects uh, she's on tiktok <laughs> what, what, what does kerry grant say about this bex on tiktok what are, you know what are the stars of today saying <laughs> uh, um <laughs> oh god it's funny um I think what is really, it, it's, I wouldn't want to say fashionable, but I would say it's trendy now to be politicised. 
and to know about politics and to discuss politics and to have self-awareness about kind of like, you know, your culture or your position in society um, and have a kind of certain authenticity around that. And so that's kind of really happening on social media at the moment. And I'm quite excited by it. Um, and so you've got something like, yeah, I talk about TikTok, but you have young, 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 youngish kids like anything from in their teens, to their 16s processing kind of quite, you know, hefty information, big topics like, you know, um, feminism, gender, toxic masculinity. And you're finding that actually a lot of the content on there is um, young men going, I don't want to exist in a society where I'm say like my granddad or my dad who has had all the challenges of, you know, being a part of kind of like, you know, a patriarchal society. I want to change that. I want to sort of see it. Um, and um, that's really refreshing instead of pushing it down. And so I think kind of like, you know, um, we can learn uh, quite a lot from our, you know, younger generations because they see things with a new pair of glasses. Um, and, you know, I think specifically for the topic of to toxic masculinity I'm talking about here. Um, yeah, there, uh, there's, there's a lot to be said. Yeah. Yes, you know, it, it kind of, yeah, I mean, oh, one of one of the things about history is kind of being able to step back and kind of see it as a kind of ever ongoing process where people do challenge things. But you just remind me of something. Like at the weekend, I just had kind of what I was just watching random shit on uh, YouTube, and I came across a uh, there's footage um, filmed in 1970 in London when men were growing their hair sort of just beyond their kind of the colour, you know almost and it's very uh, you know it's not very long at all but then it was like interviewing people on the street going oh, I think it's disgusting mm. they're like women um they ought to be taken away I mean, a really really extreme reaction to kind of you know slightly long hair and and about how challenging that that generation found it to, to ideas of of masculinity and male identity. So, do you know what? It, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not just happening now. Um, I'm glad to hear it's happening now on TikTok and the kids are where it's at. Um, but also it does generationally, you know, take place. Mm. People are always changing. People are always challenging. And I think sometimes it's quite hard. Well, I find it personal, I'll talk personally. I find it hard. I can get quite pessimistic about culture especially if I'm on Twitter too long and I just think, oh, it's all going kind of terribly wrong here. Um, but actually, if you step back and think people have challenged ideas, you know, over the centuries, there is there is a real capacity in human beings to kind of, you know, step up and, and, and to challenge, I think. That's always existed. And I was going to say as well, to kind of to add to that, like, I think these are big topics, yeah, but I think there's also something about like the availability of this information. Like when I was a kid, you know, nobody was talking about gender roles and nobody was talking about toxic masculinity and no one was, you know, like just the very fact that TikTok exists or like, or Instagram or like this stuff is just kind of so in the popular domain now, I think means that it's just accessible and people are, I don't know, maybe, maybe the change is accelerating in a way that it wasn't able to before. Change has always happened, but I feel like there is the potential for it to, to kind of accelerate quite fast because of because of the availability of information. I'm just thinking about fashion as well, and you can see the changes happening, like people like Kanye West 
wearing skirts and Jaden Smith wearing skirts. And you can also see kind of, I guess maybe it's high fashion, but um, men wearing skirts. So I think maybe it might trickle down in the future and what we wear may be similar as well in the future. I was actually talking, I was just going to say, I think, I mean, the, the, the latest Adam Curtis is, you know, slightly irritatingly Adam Curtisy, but it, one of the points he makes is that also it's the disappearance of meaning. So, like, information spreads and, and information is available, but there's a kind of void at the heart of things where, where there, there is no, there is no coherent um, um, sort of meaning or, or, or aim of, of so he talks about China there's, there's a kind of really frightening void at the heart of China there's no ideology the when the ideology is just money the the kind of the, the kind of the the, the cause at the, the the heart of something just becomes meaningless and if you look at the Tory government there is no cause there, there is, you know, there is, there might be a kind of, oh, Brexit, oh, yeah, but the, the cause is money. And it's not ideologically driven. And I think there can be, sorry, this is not for the podcast, but there can be this idea of people kind of all being like, oh, yeah, it's all free these days. We've all got the information that it slips away from the actual meaning of things. And that it gets really frightening. Then. That's me on a bad day. So. I'm guessing we we're kind of going to you know like having kind of having expressed that kind of that that note of caution about ideas being kind of unmoored from or, or you know disconnecting with something meaningful. I guess it's a good place to finish this podcast and and you know just to have to reflect a bit about actually what what the reality of toxic masculinity what the impacts of that are in real in real real life for real people not just something we're talking about that you know oh well it affects some people it doesn't affect other people you know what 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 do what do you think i mean i guess the fact that you know it is being talked about it is is an opportunity for reflection and a space for reflection that men you know might be able to be given that space rather than um kind of locking it down but you've got those things like we said in in our in our um in our course, there's like a video that we show, just Gillette video, and it's kind of like this whole thing about men being in touch with their emotions and being respectful for women, and um, and it had such a massive uproar of, of like being shut down about this is like un-American or this is disgusting, you know. And it's like you still got to kind of remember that there, you know, it is a patriarchal society, and that kind of voice of of the, you know the kind of like white male is so over but over everything you know but the fact that there is there is that that glimmer of a of a, of a conversation to be able to open it up and for men to be able to kind of like touch touch on that and and give them something to, to you know reflect on and that can only kind of grow we hope so yeah that, that's our message really that it can only grow and it's all about small conversations or, or, you know, quite big conversations in the case of Gillette. But, yeah, about these conversations con continuing, isn't it? 
it's never about something like one 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 you know it's not about one thing or one solution or the, the wiping you know the worldwide you know, destroying of toxic masculinity it's not going to happen in one moment it's a continuing conversation which i guess is what we're having on our on our seminars a continuing conversation so this conversation about continuing conversations <laughs> will continue next time <laughs> and um and we'll be talking about something else i think we'll be talking about trauma next time are we or no no fuck, fuck that up <laughs> trauma's coming before this one yeah all right you, you can kind of all right so just i think it's just just now um time for us to just uh, thank you for listening and say goodbye goodbye thanks very much liz thanks, thanks liz. Liz. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.